Welcome to another great message by Pastor Adrian Wright, lead pastor at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. So as we've been doing this series on the spiritual gifts, uh, we've covered the three categories of gifts in that section from 1 Corinthians 12 7 to 11, you know, talking about the, the, the revelation gifts, that, the gifts that reveal something, you know, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. We've spoken about the inspiration gifts, the gifts that say something, um, including the gift of prophecy and tongues and interpretation of tongues. And last week we spoke about the power gifts, which are the, the gifts that do something, the gift of faith and the gift of, of healings, as, as well as the gift of miracles. And, um, and these are all gifts that 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11 tells us the Holy Spirit distributes to each one as he wills. Um, but, you know, as we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians, we, we're obviously now doing this sub-series on the spiritual gifts. But as we've been going through the, the series at large, um, talking about being on mission in a mad world, we look at this conversation between Paul and the, you know, the, the, the church in Corinth. And the major issue that he's actually addressing with him is a sense of pride. And I think that when it comes to the spiritual gifts, you know, God is so gracious that he doesn't wait for us to be perfect Christians before he works through us, right? We've seen people that have bad theology, really bad theology, and yet God still uses them. We've, we've seen people that have even been in sin um, and have, have, you know, been having affairs or behind the scenes, there's things going on in their lives. And yet, for some reason, when they pray for people, God still heals, you know. And so it begins to, uh, you know, open up an interesting conversation, I think, about what is the kind of person that God can use in this way. And, and you know, there's, there's, there's a few things that we can look at. Um, and so I want to share a message today called Without Measure. And I want to talk about the body of Christ. I want to talk about... I want to talk about the, the Spirit of Christ. I want to talk about the, the gifts of the Spirit. But I want to look at, number one, starting off with, one of the things that, that Paul is actually talking to the people in Corinth about, which is the fact that they thought that they are greater than everybody else because they were operating, obviously, in some form of the Holy Spirit. But they were seeing these things as medals of honor, as... Um, another reason to be more prideful or more proud of who they are. And I think that whenever the Holy Spirit has worked through me, you know, just because I'm so aware of how little I could have ever deserved God working through me or choosing me or, or, or the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, appointing or anointing me in a moment to play a role in somebody's life, um, Whenever God does that, it's humbling. It actually makes me realize more how unworthy I am and yet how by God's grace I've been called to walk in these things. And so it's actually, in many ways, it should be, I think, an antidote to pride. But a lot of people don't. If, I think if your focus isn't on Jesus, and that's the, that's the point of the message that I want to say today. Like we, We've spoken about how the, um, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are there to point us to Jesus. They're there to reveal God's heart. They're there to help people realize the reality of God's love. That's what it's all about. And so Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he is addressing their pridefulness. 
and even the fact that they can operate in the gifts, yet because the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. Isn't that amazing? Like that some translation says they were without repentance. And so God is not going to, if he's given you a specific ministry or a specific call, or he has chosen to sovereignly to work through you in a specific gift, he is not going to take it away. And so you will continue to be able to operate in those gifts, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be aware of what's happening in your heart at the same time. And so I thought I would share a little bit of my journey, kind of really desiring the spiritual gifts, because as we come to the end of 1 Corinthians 12, you know, Paul is adamant again, you are to desire the spiritual gifts. You are to desire them, desire them, desire them. This is something we should want in our lives. But sometimes the reason why we want them, I think, is where we go astray. And, and you know, the, the Bible says that faith works by love. It's when we love others. It's when we're operating in love. It's when, we, it's when love undergirds everything that we do that we actually are the purest expression of what God wants us to be, right? Um, but for myself, just kind of sharing a bit of my story, um, you know, when I, when I grew up in ministry and I was, you know, I got into full-time ministry at the age of 21 and um, I wanted the gifts to operate in my life because I wanted them to validate me in front of my elders and my, you know, the pastors that were around me at that time. Like I wanted the, the church to recognize, wow, Adrian really is called. So God telling me that he has called me and me having the inner witness that I had been called at that point kind of like wasn't enough. And I wanted people to know that I was called. And I thought the best way for people to know that Adrian is a bona fide minister of the gospel. God is with him. He's anointed, et cetera, et cetera, would be if God could do miracles through me or if I could have spiritual visions and revelations, or if you know some supernatural phenomena would be taking place around the ministry that I had at that time, then I would know that I am approved. And so obviously this is, um, leads you to a bit of, down a bit of a, a path of insecurity. And, and I think a lot of people feel this way. They go, I don't know if I'm good enough to pray for somebody to be healed. Um, and so they just don't. Or they go, I hope I'm good enough. I've been praying. I've been worshiping. I've been going to church. I've been reading my Bible. So I'm going to pray for somebody. And then that person doesn't get healed in that moment. And they go, well, okay, well, obviously God doesn't approve of me. And so they, they kind of assess their own approval ratings based on you know, how these manifestations take place. Um, and this can, can lead to, um, to a lot of insecurity. And I think that for a lot of people, because of that insecurity, because of that uncertainty they choose to rather not even engage you know faith in terms of the gifts of the holy spirit they choose to say well i, I don't i don't know i don't know if that's for me i don't know how to operate in that i mean i've even heard guys that call themselves reformed charismatics um, or charismatic reformed you know they they are they believe in the gifts of the spirit and they even though they're reformed theologians but they say I just, don't, but I, but we don't know how. We don't know how to operate in it. We don't, and, and so they basically just never do, for the most part. Although, that's not true of everybody. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I think is so important to impress on everybody here today is that, is that, when we talk about the supernatural life, we're talking about the natural life of the Christian. The Christian life is a supernatural life. It's a supernatural relationship that we have with God. Uh, as we interact with him, as his spirit fills us, as he works through us, we're no longer just living 
biological lives. We're not just alive in the biological sense, the bios life. We are the zoe life. We are the God kind of life. Jesus came to give us that that kind of, of fullness. And, you know, as Paul says, the, the life that I now live, I don't live in my own strength, but I live in the power of Christ. And so now we live by a whole nother power, and that is the power of God. And that means that every aspect of our lives can become supernatural. Every aspect of our lives is is connected to our relationship with God in some way or another. And so Paul writes to the church in Galatia and he says, having begun in the spirit, having begun by the grace of God, having begun by relying on Jesus and everything that he has done for you, are you now going to be made perfect in the flesh? Like it doesn't start off with a supernatural act of salvation and then transfer to some earthly human process of of, of sanctification. It's still God's spirit at work. And so we stay dependent throughout our entire walk with Jesus on the Holy Spirit, on his voice, on his power, on his gifts, on the fruit that he produces in us. And I think that when we talk about the gifts of the spirit, we've got to seek that authenticity, but also be expectant for the supernatural and then do it with humility so that it's not a prideful thing and this is where people actually begin to find a lot of maybe fame or a lot of uh, benefits in, in looking like the one who operates powerfully in the Holy Spirit. And they can use that to their own benefit, to, uh, you know, in prideful ways. And as I said before, this was one of the issues with the church in Corinth that Paul addresses with them. And they had fallen prey to the culture of Gnosticism within Greek Hellenism, which ultimately said that there are like special levels of revelation and, and spirituality that you can ascend by, by gaining the special knowledge and, and, and that it will set you apart and set you above. And so Paul actually speaks about the gifts, but then he goes into the rest of 1 Corinthians 12 where he talks about the fact that the gifts operate in a body and that each one of us are just one part of that body. In other words, there's a bigger picture that we're a part of and and that should keep us humble. It should keep us loving because the whole point is to show love, the love of God to others. Um, and so as we discuss this, it's so important for us to know the right context of these manifestations of the Spirit um, so that we don't approach them like I did as an immature believer wanting to use the gifts to point people towards me as opposed to pointing them to Jesus um, because that's what's more significant. Um, I've often found when I was a younger believer, but also when I've been coaching and, and, and discipling young, younger believers, how dependent many of them are on signs and wonders um, because they want that indication that God is with them. They, they want to feel like God has really approved of them. Um, and so that's fine when they feel like they're hearing God's voice. That's fine when, they, when it feels like the angels are singing in their bedroom at night when they pray. It, it's fine when they you know, see a miracle, miracles happening regularly, whatever. But when there seems to be some sort of a drought, all of a sudden they're, they're, they're just dumped into despair and they're like wondering whether they've done something wrong. They're, you know, they feel like they can't hear God's voice. And then they jump straight into a works program that says, oh, I've, I've got to pray more. I've got to read my Bible more. I've got to seek more. I've got to do more because then God can, can answer my prayers again. 
Um, and so they almost feel like they, they fall away from God and they, they become far from God, you know. Um, and so their entire Christian walk ultimately is not based on what Jesus did on the cross, but it's based on the next miracle, the next prophecy, the next vision, the next dream. And they end up clinging to these things instead of clinging to Jesus. And they even, like I did, seek their significance from that place. And and, and that is a one-way street to either despair or pride. It's not going to help you. Um, we, you know, and so, and so the, the, the just shall walk by faith. The righteous shall walk by faith. We walk by faith. Faith in what? Faith in what Jesus has done. And so these gifts are things that God can just bring into our lives and we can just operate in, but they don't point to us. They don't, they don't affect our significance, whether something miraculous happens or doesn't happen, whether we feel like we're hearing God's voice audibly every day or we don't, you know, it doesn't. We know what the Bible says about who we are in Christ. And so it gives us the secure platform to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us in these ways. Um, I remember being at another, you know, very long prayer meeting. I think it was a 48 hour prayer meeting and at one point, I climbed up into the sound booth just to kind of get away a little bit, and I had a little notebook, and I wrote down in this notebook, oh, Lord, please open my eyes, 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 and I wrote like pages and pages full of open my eyes, thinking that if I, I'm like that woman that incessantly knocks in the scriptures, you know, so that the master of the house will come and open up, that God will give me, you know, sp a spiritual vision. I wanted to see angels or, you know, anything supernatural that would just confirm for me, you know, and that I could tell stories to others and, and, and it would, again, it would verify my ministry. And, you know, God did open my eyes, but he opened my eyes in a completely different way. He opened my eyes to the gospel. He opened my eyes to see Jesus. He opened my eyes to the true faith that is the true shield that quenches every fiery dart of the enemy. He 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 allowed me to see the gospel for what it is. And so he answered my prayer but not in the way that I thought. And now I, it doesn't really matter. I know the reality is there by faith. I don't necessarily need to physically see it. And some people have that ability and God has gifted them with that for a specific ministry and that's awesome. But I don't need to see a demon in order to know that the demon is there and drive it out, you know, or, or need to see an angel in order to know that God commands his angels concerning his uh, ministering servants, you know, and so forth. And so, um, you know, I, I know that I can trust in God because the Bible tells me so, you know. And, and so my faith has become a lot more secure over time. But, you know, I think traditionally, uh, far too many have gone beyond the Holy Spirit in their desire to be validated. So that's when you start making miracles up. That's when you start making stories up, you know, um, and, and where people begin to, to help the Holy Spirit. They want to make the Holy Spirit look cool. And so they'll get up and they'll go, someone here has a headache, has a headache. Now, if you have 10 people in a room, chances are one of them has a headache, you know. And you're like, oh, yeah, God's just healed you. But there's no kind of like, did he really? It's just kind of so vague. Um, and I'm not saying that couldn't be the case in, in some instances, but I also think that some people just use the most vague, you know, word of knowledge that you could have probably guessed because they want to be seen as gifted. And that, again, feeds into pride which is the one thing that will undermine um, these, these, you know, the, the, the way that these gifts are received by others. Um, we also, you know, we haven't really in this series spoken about, um, you know, people falling out under the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know that there's a whole, uh, um, you know, 
conversation about that. I'm fairly comfortable with manifestations of the Spirit, however people receive them. But but I think that sometimes people do like a little bit of a courtesy fall, you know, when the, the pastor's praying and they're like, oh, shame, this guy's trying so hard. So I'm just going to give him a, you know, I'm going to give him a little bit of validation. Great praying pastor. Here I go, you know, and, 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 you know, sometimes I feel like we do the Holy Spirit a disservice by trying to help him look powerful when he is all powerful. He doesn't need our help for that. We need his help, you know. Um, and so when we cling to Jesus, we don't have to make up miracles, but we can expect miracles. We can trust God um, to work in that way. And I think that it's important that we mention this because there are so many people that have now encountered some of those counterfeits that we've spoken about. And as a result, they've lent over to skepticism. They've gone completely this to the side of skepticism and have just stopped believing that, that God can operate powerfully in these ways that we've spoken about. Um, and so in that way, they actually begin to depart from Scripture. So now they're no longer taking God's Word at its face value at what it says, and they end up cutting certain sections out of the scripture, kind of never speaking about it because like, yeah, you know, and they'll always find some loophole that isn't really hermeneutically correct, but kind of gives them a way to not have to believe in the gifts of the spirit. But I come back to that scripture that we mentioned in, in Thessalonians, I think it's 1 Thessalonians 5, where Paul says, do not despise the prophecy. Do not despise prophecies. Um, he says, he says, you know, I don't want you to be uninformed about the spiritual gifts. He says, I want you to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And so all of those things are powerful things that God has given us, and we are to hold fast to what is good. What I want, and I'm sure what you want as well, is an authentic move of God's Holy Spirit in your life and through your life. That's what we truly want in our church. We want to be used by God in powerful ways and earnestly desire these gifts to operate in and, and through our lives. And if that's not a desire that you have, the scripture says you should have them. So pray about that. Pray that God would use you powerfully in these ways. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 3, we've read a couple of times, Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of the gifts. I want you to know and see and understand and earnestly desire them in your life. Previously, you know, with, with all the superstitions and the very various different false beliefs in our world, people were easily led astray. But what he's saying is when you know the true gift of the Holy Spirit, it'll always point you back to Jesus and through you, point others to Jesus as well. It reveals Jesus to us. And again, in John 16, verse 13, uh, Jesus said, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come, the prophetic word. He will glorify me, so the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so the Holy Spirit, really, people are, are, are often afraid to operate by the Holy Spirit. But all the Holy Spirit can do is remind us of what Jesus has said and glorify Jesus more. It will never take the focus off of Jesus. And so whenever somebody is operating in a gift of a spirit or pretending to operate in the gift of a spirit or using maybe a genuine move of the spirit to point towards themselves, 
you know that they're out of step with the Holy Spirit in that moment because the Holy Spirit is not there to glorify man. And it's, so it's not a medal of honor. It's not something for us to walk around with and say, oh, so look how proud I am. God has done all of this through me, you know. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 7, it says there's diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Then it talks, also talks about differences of ministries, but the same Lord. So those ministries in Ephesians 4, it tells us the different ministries and different ministry offices that came through Jesus. Um, and then it says there are diversities of activities, which are other forms of ministries, ministry activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. And so you've got these gifts and you've got ministries and you've got activities, all the things that we do within the church, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And again, so it's to build the church. So it's not there to glorify man, but to edify and encourage people by pointing them to Jesus. It's not God's gift to you, although it is in some senses. It's more, it's more like it's God's gift through you. Now, um, Paul then carries on as he goes in, in Romans 12, and, and we finally kind of move beyond those gifts of the Spirit that we've listed and, and those few verses we've read the last few weeks. But he goes on to talk about the, the fact that the body of Christ has got many members. And I just thought I would read this bit because he goes, he says in verse 11, he says, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Then he goes on and he says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it, would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of, of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, then pro second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. And all, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healings, uh, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will still show you a more excellent way. And that's again where Paul then goes into talking about love. And so he, he actually goes on quite a long uh, description there of a body. And, and he actually gets a little bit graphic there. I don't know if you picked that up, but he says that, you know, people can say that, you know, for example, let's say your face is probably the most 
presentable part of your body or the part that we present the most you know ladies would put makeup on and guys would brush their teeth and shave their you know trim their beard like i did uh before i recorded this uh, you know and all those kinds of things so you would think that your face would have more honor than other parts but there are other parts that you cover up is kind of saying is like that you treat them with modesty they're not necessarily flashy um or at least they shouldn't be but if you got hurt there or if something went wrong there, or whatever, like you would actually say that's quite an important area of your body, you know. And and he's actually saying that it's very difficult to operate in the gifts of the Spirit if you have pride, because you're going to want to elevate one specific element of the body above the other. But he says, but that is not how God works best. That's not how the body works best. The body works best that we're one unit, we're one spirit, we're one mind, we're one soul, you know, we've got one vision, and that vision is to show the love of God to people. And so everybody is important. This is not a space for superheroes or superstars or, you know, whatever. And, and we honor people that are faithful to God, and we submit to one another in reverence to Christ, and we, you know, believe in leaders in the church as God has instituted in the scriptures, and so we submit to our leaders, and all those things are true. But when it comes to value, nobody has a greater value because the body operate together. And so one of the things that I love, and we see this in John 3, if you look at how the Holy Spirit worked through people, we, we look at, uh, at Jesus, and in John 3 verse 34, it tells us that the Holy Spirit was given to him without measure. So, the, so he, Jesus didn't just have a measure of the Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit without measure, which is why he could operate so powerfully in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit at, at all times. Because he was the one body of Christ on earth at that time. But that also tells us that each of us only have a measure of the Holy Spirit. We don't have a limitless uh, uh, gifting in terms of, you know, of course the Holy Spirit is limitless, but he works through us in one gifting at a time or, you know, a, a set of gifts at a time. But when we come together, so if I bring my gift that I have and you bring your gift, and somebody else brings their gift. And we come together as a community of people, all of us filled and gifted by the Holy Spirit. We become the body of Christ again. And I believe, therefore, the church, again, has the Holy Spirit without measure. And that means that just like Jesus was able to show the whole world who he really was, when we stand together, united as the church, in humility, operating by the power of God's Holy Spirit, we're able to make more of an impact on the world than anything that we could have imagined, right? And that's why I'm so against the Lone Ranger Christians and the guys that think, I'm fine because Christianity is all about me and church is really just about what I get out of it, so I don't have to go to church if I don't feel like it. No, you're a part of something bigger. You're a part of something bigger and you can be a part of having the Holy Spirit without measure, the body of Christ on the face of the earth making an impact. Imagine the impact we could make if everybody came together and added their gifting to the bigger picture, to the community, how much of an influence, you know, we would be able to have. And, and Lee, you know that many times we've kind of been here at church and there's been like maybe a little old lady who's come to us and, and um, 
you know, you wouldn't give her a second look, but she'll just take you by the hand and stop praying for you or stop prophesying. And the next thing you feel like you're in the third heaven and you're hearing the voice of God directly and you just know there is an anointing on this woman's life. And so I love that God doesn't work according to status. He doesn't work according to wealth. He doesn't work according to who's got, you know, the most talent or the most intelligence or the most, he just, he just puts everybody together and he says, I'm going to gift you. I'm going to grace you. And that means that Every single person that walks through the doors of a church that joins a community is a potential firecracker, uh, is a potential fire starter in the kingdom of God and can, can be a part of us reaching a city more effectively. And, uh, and that's so powerful for us to know that we can have the Holy Spirit without measure as a community. And so I want to encourage you today, don't don't bury the gift that God has given you, that, that ability, that, that, you know, all of those spiritual gifts that God has put in, in your life and that he can still put in your life through the, the working of the Holy Spirit. Don't bury that in a bedroom or on a couch or, or even on a bicycle on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning. Or, you know, how many people choose sport over being a part of a community that's witnessing and that's on mission, you know. Um, don't, don't, don't bury your gifts in the wrong places. Let's take the gifts that God has given us. Let's use them to show the love of God to our city. And that is the more excellent way that we'll talk about next week. Um, so yeah, we, we, we are just, man, I, I get so fired up because I just believe in, in what God can do through every single one of us as we stand together. So unity, gathering, corporate worship, even though we're not able to do it right now, these are, are part of our culture, part of who we are as a church, because through that, and also in community groups, these gifts can operate so powerfully. So we want to be on mission. We want to make a difference in this mad world. We want to make a difference in our city, um, and we can do that as the gifts of the Spirit operate in us and through us, and we're able to reveal Jesus in that way. So we're going to be praying for each of you that God connects your heart to his vision for his church, for the body of Christ and how you fit into it. And also that we would, I think, make room for each other. We're all imperfect people. I think it's important to say we're imperfect people and we make mistakes and we mess up and we, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I've been hurt by the church. You haven't really been hurt by the church. You've been hurt by people in the church or a person in the church. And that's, that's fine. That happens. It happens in families, you know, how many families hurt each other or whatever. And and the fact of the matter is, is that we do not have an excuse to step away because it is Christ's body. We've been called to be a part of it. And so, and so I, I, I'm trusting that God will bind us together with that love, that we would believe in one another more, that we would forgive each other more, that we would make room for each other more, that we would be able to see the bigger picture rather than being prideful and selfish. Like Paul says, I could only give you milk because you guys are still quarreling and arguing and acting like merely human. No, when, when we grow in Christ, we're not merely human. We are, we are the body of Christ, mature believers. And then we get to make a real difference in the city. So I want to encourage everybody with that. Lean into what it really means to be a part of the church, to bring that gift that God can work in you and through you, and that we are a united body having the Holy Spirit without measure. Trust that encourages you today. Keep trusting God to work powerfully through your life this week. We love you, Anchor Church, and we'll see you again next Sunday. God bless you.